0: Hey there, Amy Porterfield here. Welcome to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. I'm so thrilled that you've tuned in today because we are going to take a look back and I'm going to take everything I know from 10 years of building an online business and then tell you what I would do differently if we're starting from scratch. Now I've done a few episodes kind of similar to this, but I'm going to take a different perspective on this episode to make it new and interesting and valuable. And it can be valuable for you if you are starting from scratch, but it can also be valuable for you if you've been at this for a while or more advanced in your creating courses and launching them and wanting to uplevel your business. It's good to look at The foundational pieces and make sure that you have everything in place to build a solid business that is sustainable, that will keep you going for years and years and years. And I think looking back, if you were starting from scratch and what you do differently is a really unique perspective to look at the business you have today, no matter where you are in the business. Now, before we get there, you know, I love to do a listener spotlight. So this listener spotlight is coming from Hazel in Chic. So Hazel in Chic said, Amy is my new obsession. I cannot wait for her new masterclass and to continue working with her in the future. Her enthusiasm is contagious and authenticity is admirable. xo, your newest fan. Well, Hazel, thanks so very much. And hopefully you loved my masterclass. It's over now, of course, that was for Digital Course Academy. And I hope that you're in the program. So I'm going to have to look you up and see if you're in there. And if not, maybe next time. But regardless, thank you so much for being my newest fan. I don't take that lightly. And I hope you love this episode. Okay. So moving on, let's get into the core of this episode. We are going to focus on what it would look like if I were to start from scratch. Now, I told you that I've done episodes like this in the past that were a little bit similar. So With that, I want to let you know how I'm going to approach this starting from scratch episode. Number one, I'm going to talk to you just briefly about where I would spend my money. Two, what I would focus on the most, especially in the first two years. Three, what I would say yes to more often. Four, what I would say no to more often. Five, the mindset shift I would make early on. And six, the habits I would adopt early on as well. And I'm going to give you a recommendation for a book that I am genuinely obsessed with. I think I need to read it three times. And by read, I mean, listen to, cause you know, I'm an audible fan. I need to get audible to sponsor my episodes because I talk about them as though I own the company. I'm obsessed with audible, but we'll look into that. But in the meantime, I'm going to share with you a book that I love, 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 love and give you the habits that I think brought me to this point in my business today where I have a multi-million dollar business and I literally love the work I'm doing and I feel as though what I'm doing and where I'm going is exactly where I'm meant to be. And guys, it took me a long time to get here. I think you can get here faster. And when I say get here, I mean feeling as though I'm on purpose and I'm doing things very intentionally and this is where I'm meant to be. And I don't know if this is my purpose in life. I don't even know if I believe that everyone has a purpose in life, but I do believe that I'm doing what is right for my students and for me and for my team and my family, and that feels good. So I'm going to share with you some habits that I think got me here today, habits that you can start even if you're just starting out. Okay, good. Let's get to it. Number one, if I were starting from scratch, I would be very mindful in how I spend my money. And let's be honest, I probably wouldn't have much of it. So I had to be very, very careful with how I spend it. And so with that, I want to talk to you about a few areas that I think are a necessity To invest in early on. The first one is you will need an email service provider because I'm looking at the reoccurring charges that are going to come up. So when I think about spending money, what are some of those reoccurring charges that are just a necessity? And one is an email service provider. And the reason for that is, you know, I'm going to talk about list building in this episode, right? (laughs) Especially when we get down to where to focus and What needs to be a habit? List building is part of that. And so you can't build a list without an email service provider. So right away, I would do that. Now, yes, I do have recommendations and I will post all recommendations in the show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 251. But I either love Kajabi, which is an all in one software tool, which I'll talk about in a minute, or ConvertKit. So Kajabi, or ConvertKit are my two recommendations for an email service provider. And you can look at both of them, do your own research, and figure out the one that makes the most sense for you. But both of them have excellent customer support, which I think is a very big deal when you're just starting out. Both of them are affordable, and you can grow with both of them. And so that is one investment I'd make early on. Now, speaking of being able to grow with software, I think that's something you need to look at when you're just starting out. So I also would invest in an all-in-one marketing tool. These tools weren't as readily available to me when I was just starting out, but they're definitely more available to you today and way easier to use. So an example of an all-in-one marketing software would be Kajabi. So Kajabi can be your email service provider. It could be your opt-in pages for you to grow your email list with your freebies like PDFs and free video series. It could be your webinar registration page, your webinar replay page. You can put together email funnels inside of Kajabi. It could be your course platform. My DCA members already know that this is the tool I recommend inside of my program. But the reason I'm bringing it up here is because I use Kajabi, so I am a proud member of Kajabi and a partner in terms of recommending them. But more so than that, I believe this is a tool that your business can grow with, meaning in the beginning, you won't be using all their bells and whistles. However, they're affordable enough to be your email service provider, as well as giving you the tools you need to start growing your email list early on, and they're easy to use. One of the reasons we moved to Kajabi is because I didn't want to pay a programmer or a coder to help me do everything I need to do in my business. That was too expensive. And it was frustrating. Even when I had the money, I hated waiting to hire somebody to fix a typo I had on an opt-in page or inside of my course platform. I just hated that. And so I wanted to be able to do it myself, but more importantly, as my team grew, I wanted my team to be able to do it even if they weren't a programmer or a coder. So that's one of the reasons I use Kajabi, but they can do so much for you that you can grow into them and you could learn how to use all the different features and bells and whistles as you need them, as your business grows. So... I think it's a great tool, definitely worth looking into so you have what you need for your business to grow long-term. Now, another tool that I'd recommend investing in early is a project management tool, even if it's just you. So these tools I'm recommending, I'm assuming you're a one man or a one woman show. So I would recommend an email service provider, I'd recommend Kajabi, and I'd recommend a project management tool. I use Asana, A-S-A-N-A. Again, I'll link to all of this in the show notes, but I love Asana because it allows us to keep really organized with every task. We make a joke of it, but we're dead serious inside my team that if it's not in Asana, it's not going to happen. So every task needs to be in Asana, needs to be assigned to a team member, needs a deadline, and needs a little bit of detail with it, with each task. And then each task falls under a main project. Now, what if it's just you? Should you still get a project management tool? Yes. You make a habit of using it every day. You make a habit of putting all of your projects, your big projects for the year inside of Asana and then building out all the tasks that need to get done to make it so. And you get in the habit of using it. So when you start to hire on your team, maybe your first virtual assistant, they're going to use Asana with you. And then when you hire your first, let's say, customer support rep, they get in Asana with you. So you be the leader. You get in there first. You make it a personal habit to use Asana and to really get good at navigating through the software. And then as you build your team, it's just like part of the business. It's how you do business. I did not do it this way. And we really struggled for years on flip-flopping around what project management tool we should use and how we should use it and who should be using it. And I wasn't consistent with it. Then I would get frustrated that my team wasn't consistent with it. And then I looked at myself and I'm like, come on, Amy, you're the leader here. So it's something I really would change. And That reminds me, flip-flopping on software is not something you want to do, meaning I would like to see you choose your tools now and take recommendations from people you trust, Hopefully, I'm someone you trust and stick with it, even though it's confusing or doesn't do everything you wish it would do, or even though it's kind of clunky to get going in the beginning. That's with any tool. And there's no tool that's going to be perfect. Kajabi's not perfect, ConvertKit's not perfect, Asana's not perfect, but they're pretty darn close to being exactly what you need. And so, one of the biggest challenges I had in the beginning is I flip flopped on tools. I was never loyal to a tool, I didn't stick around long enough to give it time to make it work and get into the habit of making it work. So that's another thing. I want you to stay with these tools at least a good six months before you make a decision to go to something else. And there will be a 100 people telling you to go to something else. If you follow a lot of experts out there in the online marketing world, we all have our recommendations, which leads me to my final point in terms of where you should spend money early on. And that is around your mentors that you follow. So here's the thing. You will learn from so many people online as you grow in your business. There are a lot of online marketing experts, but I'm going to encourage you to find your mentors, and there likely will be just a few of them early on. Find your mentors early on, put a stake in the ground and say, this is somebody that I'm going to follow. So I want to give you an example of my own world, and then you make up your mind who your mentors are. So early on, you likely already know that my mentor was Marie Forleo before I even left my corporate job at Tony Robbins. So many of you know this story. I'll tell it quickly, but when I was still working at Tony Robbins, one of the very final programs I worked on was the new Money Masters, and Tony was creating a program to talk about how these online experts, we called them info marketers back then and sometimes still do, these info marketers were building their businesses online, and he started interviewing them for his brand new course And back then, and I think they still do this, but it was CDs and CDs and DVDs and all that good stuff. So he was building this course and we were interviewing tons of men for the new money masters, Russell Brunson, Dean Jackson, um, so many others. I won't even get into all the details, but there were no women. So luckily we said, okay, we need to bring a woman into this program because there were women doing big things even back then 12 years ago. I know there's a lot more now, but there were definitely women doing big things back then online. And so I recommended Marie Forleo. And she was the only woman that was represented on the new Money Masters, which is pretty cool. And so from there, I became an instant fan of everything she was doing online because I studied her a lot for the product. And I realized she was somebody that I loved her integrity. I loved the way she communicated online. She had the type of business I wanted. She had grit and hustle and her energy was amazing. She had a great presence online. I wanted that. When I left Tony Robbins, that's what I wanted. And so she became my mentor. And I actually had a few mentors early on in the beginning. And that's the thing. I don't think you're just going to have one, but I'd say choose two or three and that's it. And what I mean by that is when you have a mentor and people start recommending this to you and that to you, and what about this? And you should do that and you should do that. You go back to your core group of mentors and you say, what would they recommend? What are they saying I do with this? So that you're not pulled in a million directions. You never need to make the excuse that I don't know what to do because so many people are telling me to do so many different things. And if you have your group of two or three core mentors, you can always go back and make your decisions based on their recommendations. And that has served me well. And so from there, I started to grow my business based on so much of what Marie taught. So she had a mastermind at the time that I couldn't afford, but I figured it out. And in that mastermind, she taught the B-School principles. At the time of this recording right now, B-School is open for enrollment. If you listen to it a week or two down the road, it likely will be closed. But if you're one of those people that the second I have a podcast that comes out, you listen, shout out to you. Thank you. Um, B-School is open, amyporterfield.com forward slash B-School. I have been a partner for eight years now. The program has been in existence for 10 years and I create a huge bonus experience related to B-School because it changed my life. And so I won't get into all the details here, but my point I want to make is that with B-School, I was able to build the foundation of my business and I had a mentor I could follow And I feel as though if you're looking to invest money in the early years, you have to invest in training. If it's mine, I I love that. If I am your mentor or one of your top three mentors, if you like the way I do things, if you like my business model, if you like the way I teach, I am honored that I can be that for you. And I do believe that you should invest in the programs of your mentors. And this is not to say, go buy my stuff. This is to say, if you find your mentor and you like what they're doing online, and if they can teach you how they do it, learn from the people that you want to build a business like. like you want to model your business around what they're doing by all means, that is a good use of your money. Whether it be my programs or somebody else's, that is a good use of your funds. It is so important that you educate yourself because you didn't learn this in college, right? There's no handbook for how to do business online. I wish that I learned more of this in college. Guys, when I was in college, it shows my age. I learned the power of email, like it was something brand new. Like I remember this professor of mine talking about um, what email was. Yeah. So I didn't learn any of this, but I learned this through digital courses from my mentors. So I highly recommend you be mindful of how you spend your money on programs and make sure that you're learning from people you respect, you like to listen to, you love what they're doing, and you want to model what they're doing as well. Good. Okay. Moving on. That was all about how to spend your money. Now I want to talk about what to focus on. If I were to start from scratch, I would put my focus in different areas than I did 10 years ago. So what should you be focusing on right now if you're starting from scratch? And if you're not starting from scratch, ask yourself if you focused enough on these areas because this might help you plug up some holes that you might have in your business today. Okay. So you ready? Number one, can you guess it? I mean, if you follow me at all, you know what I'm going to say. You're probably sick of me saying it, but are you doing it? It's list building. I mean, I can't sugarcoat this. We all need a viable email list and it does not need to be a big email list to be successful. I'm not going to harp on this one. I've done tons of episodes around list building. My DCA members, you all know how important this one is. But I do want to put a stake in the ground and say, wouldn't it be nice if this was the final year you ever say, I don't have an email list or this won't work for me because I don't have an email list or will this work because I don't have an email list? Like, I don't have an email list. I'd like to literally zap that out of your vocabulary. (laughs) I don't want that phrase to ever even come out of your mouth anymore. And so if you're just starting out, that is something that you can tackle right now so that when you get into the second year of your business, you have an email list. For the record, if you have a few hundred people on your email list, you have an email list. You need to continue to grow it. But The the hardest part is getting the foundation, setting up your email service provider, and that's a little techie stuff. That's not so hard. It's just making the decision. This is what I'm going to do for my email service provider and then creating consistent content and putting it out every single week and attaching some kind of lead magnet opportunity to your consistent content creation every single week, which leads me to the second thing I wish I focused on from day one. The day I left Tony Robbins and started my own business, I wish I put a stake in the ground and said, every single week, come rain or shine, I will create original content. What does that look like? A blog post once a week or a podcast once a week or a video once a week. Maybe you do a Facebook Live, you download it, put it on your blog. It has to live on your blog. The word blog, the word website, I use them interchangeably. On your website, you have a tab that's your blog, and that's where you're putting your your video or your show notes for your podcast or your written blog. But I did not do that for two years, guys, and it literally was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made because I watched my peers that moved faster up the ladder of success in the online marketing world. I watched them move quicker because they had something weekly going out. They were known for something. They had a voice. That's the other thing I don't think I've talked about enough. I don't think I've given you enough why, why you want to create consistent content. It's as much for you to hone in on your message as it is to add value to your audience. One thing I'm learning with my new DCA students is that a lot of the things i have them do i've been honest with them i didn't even realize this till i till i started to teach it which is a great thing about creating content you dive deeper and you find the why and with the why of some of the stuff i teach in dca i realize it's well first i just want you as the course creator to get into this habit or to experience this then when you've been doing it for a while the values there for your audience this idea of creating consistent content, the why behind it is first for you to find your voice, for you to hone in on the type of content you want to create, your message, which shapes your brand, which attracts your tribe. So if we just start there every week come rain or shine, you have something new you're putting out that's original, meaning you've created it. It doesn't have to be an original thought. It's just original from you have this idea and you've developed it. And so. List building, how it is related to consistent content is you might create one lead magnet to start out with and you mention it in your blog. Hey, if you like this and you want to dive deeper, grab my free guide. Or you mention it on Facebook Live. So you're interviewed and you mention your freebie. So you're just going to mention that freebie all over the place in the beginning. Then down the road, you could create another freebie. But in the beginning, we start with one. Not a lot of bells and whistles. Okay, So what I would focus on the most in my first few years, list building, creating consistent content. My identity would be somebody who creates consistent content. That would be part of my identity. And it wasn't. And number three, this wasn't as popular 10 years ago. So it was popular, but not nearly like it is now or readily accessible. And that is, I would do a lot more live video. Now, Every single week, I can't even believe I'm the kind of girl that every week I'm probably doing three to four live videos and then also recorded videos around certain things I've been working on. So I go live a lot in my private Facebook group. So for my past students in the Insiders Club, my current students in the DCA Facebook group, and I go live on my Facebook page as well. And then I do Insta stories on IG, which is not live, but it's still video. So- I wish I did live video more because, remember I said, first it starts with you as the marketer. It makes you a better marketer. You think fast on your feet. You get better at communicating. You feel more comfortable on video. You show your vulnerability more. You're more real to your audience. I wish I did more of that early on because now, 10 years into it, I'm just learning to be comfortable on video. I feel as though I can hold my own. I've been doing this for a few years now, but imagine if i started just embracing it i think that is another thing focus on embracing video and not feeling like i did for so long hating it that got me nowhere telling you all i hate doing video and it makes me cringe that did not help my case so i think just embracing it and saying look i'm going to make it my own i'm going to i'm going to make this work for me so that's something i wish i did differently also um, I wish I learned more about my avatar and did all those exercises that B-School offers. And I even have a podcast episode on this, so I'll link to it, about figuring out who your ideal customer avatar is. But every day, making it my mission to listen to who it is I'm serving so I understand them more. If you come to me and you say, Amy, I don't know what to create as a lead magnet for my freebie i want to create or if you come to me and you say amy i don't know what to blog about then the real underneath that like that's the surface question there's another question and that is i don't know who i'm marketing to i don't know who i'm talking to and believe me i've said i don't know what to blog about in the early days i've said i don't know what to create a freebie about because I didn't know who my avatar was. So I wish I made it my mission to, at any time if you asked me who I was marketing to, boom, I could tell you. And that has changed over the years, but at least I wish I put something on paper and said, this is who I'm marketing to. And you can just start out with, if you're not going to join B-School, because there's a whole focus on ideal customer avatar and B-School, I've got a podcast episode all about that. Again, I'll link to it, but start out somewhere. Because your avatar is so incredibly important. And you know, my DCA members, you know I have an entire module that focuses on who you're marketing to. So we got you covered there as well. And it's something that I just started adding to my programs because I couldn't serve my students if they didn't know who they were marketing to. So that was huge. I wish I spent more time there. And then lastly, the last thing I would focus on if I were starting from scratch is how I want to make money and how I'm going to get there. And this is something I think I did well. I think this fast-tracked my success in some ways because for two years I did consulting, coaching, and service-based work around social media. But I knew, I always knew I wanted to create digital courses. And so- I didn't plan for it as much as I wish I did. I wish I put a stake in the ground and said, by this date, I'd be letting go of these customers and I'd start this business. But luckily, organically, that did happen. But maybe it would have happened faster because I was kind of miserable at the end of working with clients. I wish I would have gotten out of it a little bit faster. But just knowing how you want to make money, and I know there are a lot of multi-passionate entrepreneurs out there, but I also will say, Find two to three ways you want to make money. And in the beginning, start there. I know that um, there are some people that do really well with multiple streams of income. I've talked about that on the podcast before, and I know it works for some people. But when you're starting from scratch, I believe most of my students would serve themselves well by keeping it simple. So two to three ways that you make money and get really good at those two to three ways. So for me, if you ask me how I make money, I create digital courses and sell them. I'm an affiliate for other people's digital courses, very few to be exact. And then I am an affiliate for different software and different tools I highly recommend. Those are the three core ways I make money. 90% of my revenue comes from my own courses. I also don't put a lot of effort in the other two because I like to be really good and really known for one thing. So that's just my philosophy, but I believe if you have tons of ways you're making money and you don't hone in on one way specifically, everything feels a little bit loosey-goosey. Everything feels like, yeah, it's working, but not nearly as good as it could be working. So just be careful with that. Getting clear on how you ultimately want to make money in your business. You might not be there now. Starting from scratch, you're likely never starting there, but you can get there for sure. Good? Okay. So that's what I'd focus on, list building, creating consistent content, doing more live video or video in general, honing in on who my avatar is, and getting clear on how I want to make money and how I'm going to get there. Those are the things I wish I focused on if I was starting from scratch. Okay, now we're moving on to the third area I promised you, and that is what I would say yes to more often. And I'm just going to quickly go through this because I did an entire episode about this. I'll link to it in the show notes where I talked about things I would say yes to in the early years that I actually say no to now. So we're just going to go over these quickly and I'll link to that episode if you really want to hear me talk about things that I said yes to when I was starting out, but I say no to now that I'm making more money and more established, you'll like that episode. But I'm going to run you through a few right now. Okay. So when you think about saying yes to things, remember this, the business you have today will look dramatically different just a few years from now. So I really want you to take that in. The business you have today will look dramatically different in just a few years. So when you say yes to things, just know you're saying yes to different opportunities because it's where you are right now in your business and you won't always say yes to those opportunities. So give yourself a little grace, a a little breathing space to know you don't have to get it all right in the beginning and things will look different down the road and you can change your mind and not say yes to these things later on. So here's what I'd say yes to if I was starting from scratch. Yes to invitations to network with new people. If you follow my podcast, you know I got my book deal with that big yellow dummies book around Facebook marketing because I said yes to going to dinner. I sat next to a woman at a networking event that recommended me years later for that book. I said yes to invitations that put me in the proximity of people to network with and just to get to know and expand my horizons as to what was possible in my business. I said yes to interviews. When people wanted to interview me, I said yes all over the place. I don't say yes as much anymore because I don't have as much time to do them, but definitely get yourself out there. Get in front of new audiences for sure. Also, yes to speaking on stage, even when you didn't get paid to do so. I think honing in on your speaking skills makes you better on video, makes you better inside your courses. I don't want a career of speaking on stage. I don't want to sell on stage a bunch. I don't want to go to people's events and do a lot of speaking, but I am selective now. I even do it still today, but I did it a lot more in the early days. So those are the things I'd say yes to. Let's transition to things I'd say no to when I'm starting out. So this is important for you to hear. If you're just starting from scratch, what should you say no to? Well, one, too many collaborations. I see it too much where a lot of my students want to collaborate with other students. And the deeper meaning there is I'm afraid to go at this on my own. I'm afraid to do this on my own. You have what it takes to do this on your own. You do not need to collaborate with somebody else. And I believe there are a lot of headaches when collaborations happen. And you likely, because you haven't really figured out the type of entrepreneur you want to be, you're going to clash with the entrepreneur they are because you don't know yourself as an entrepreneur just yet. It's the truth. And so collaborations are not my favorite. Sure, one or two maybe, but be careful with that. Definitely. Be very selective. Also say no to projects that will not get you in front of your ideal customer avatar. So this comes back to, I wish I spent more time on who my avatar was because in my early days, the biggest mistake I made was, I said yes to everything that came my way But I'd show up, this happened so much, I'd show up where I got on a plane to go speak at an event and there'd be 20 people there and they'd be in a niche that would never buy a product from me because I wasn't a good fit for them. I was teaching Facebook marketing, but I taught Facebook marketing to entrepreneurs that wanted to start their own thing. And this was a room of insurance salesmen that never wanted to start their own thing or not anytime soon. It wasn't their focus. They would never buy my product. So here I was in front of an audience that was not a good fit for me. I wish I was more mindful of that in the beginning. And then also, no to shiny objects. This is something that I am very strong in, but I know a lot of my students struggle with. So I feel like I can be a good guide here. When you're chasing those squirrels, you are leaving the core business to fend for itself, and that never works. So if you early on can be the type of person that does not chase the squirrels, the shiny objects, whatever you want to call them, you will grow a business faster than the person next to you that's chasing everything that they see. So I know it's funny. We always say, I hear it a lot with my students, like, I'm always chasing shiny objects. That's just who I am. Don't make that part of your identity. Don't make that who you are because that will derail your business or at least slow it down considerably. So whatever you need to do to stay focused, do it. And I'm gonna talk about in the habits section, what habits I wish I had if I were starting from scratch. Those habits will help you not chase the squirrels. So we'll get there. Okay, moving on to our next section of how I would approach things if I were starting from scratch, all about the mindset. The one mindset shift I wish I made from day one. Moving from corporate into my online business, this is the mindset shift that I wish I had early on. And I've talked about this a bunch, go to episode 203 to drill down on it, but it's this concept that my students do a lot. So I'm glad that I went before you and I could help you with this because you don't need to stay there. But it's this mindset that it's so hard to break through all the noise. The online space is so saturated everyone's already done everything I want to do, or just there's so much noise. How do I show up in a unique way? I still even get asked this question a lot in interviews. How did you position yourself in a unique way to bust through all the noise? And the truth is I never asked this question. I never asked myself, how can I be unique and stand out from all the noise? I never asked myself, how can I bust through all the saturation out there of the online world? That wasn't the question I was asking. And this is, I hope, a gift I can give to you. I believe that you've got to ask better questions in order to get better results in your business. You have to ask better questions to get better results. And so I'm going to give you a freebie that I've used in the past, but I don't think I've ever given it away on the podcast. And it's this PDF of low value questions we often ask ourselves, especially when we're starting from scratch and the better questions to answer. So low value questions and the better questions to answer. And I created this PDF with Marie Forleo. We did it in 2017. It's still 100% relevant and it's good. So literally all it is, is one PDF, like one page with low value questions. Ask yourself if you've asked these questions and high value questions. It's something that I want you to print out and put on your corkboard or somewhere where you're going to see it. I literally still use it because I find myself asking low value questions and say, nope, I got to ask a better question. So amyporterfield.com forward slash 251, amyporterfield.com forward slash 251, you'll find this freebie there. So you can just get it, print it out and use it. Okay. So let me give you a high value question to ask. Instead of saying anything around like, how do I get noticed in a noisy world? ask yourself, how can I focus all my attention on serving my audience, my community, my tribe, and reaching them at their deepest needs and wants and desires? Or how can I direct all my attention on increasing the quality of life for my community or my customers or my students? You focus on who's in front of you versus this bigger picture that really doesn't ground you. I often tease that I promise you, if I ever got to meet the woman, I'd confirm this for you, but I feel 99% positive I'm right. Before she started her talk show, Oprah never said like, how am I going to get seen in such a noisy talk show world? How is anyone going to find me? Never. That is not a high value question. So be careful of that. That's the mindset shift that you ask better questions and you be careful not to get sucked into playing small with questions like that, deal? Okay, so moving on to the final section of what I would do if I was starting from scratch and I would adopt really good habits right from the get-go. I would adopt amazing habits that would shape my identity as a high-producing entrepreneur. A high value, high producing, whatever you want to say it, entrepreneur, someone that's giving and showing up regularly and adding immense value and having incredible success. I would choose the habits that would shape that identity. Now I have to tell you about a book I'm obsessed with. I'm hoping that I get Mr. James Clear on the show. We haven't even asked yet, but it's something we're looking into for the book Atomic Habits. Oh my gosh, it is so good. Annie's got a good voice to read the book and you know how I feel about that. If I like someone's voice when I'm listening, I can listen all day. So I'm gonna have to go through the book a few times because when you listen to it, you're not taking notes or highlighting usually. So I gotta get it really into my mind and my body. I want want to embody this book, it's so good. So Atomic Habits, James Clear, highly recommend it. And he talks about how your habits shape your identity and how even if you didn't set goals, specific goals, but your habits were really in tune with what you wanted, you would still meet those goals. And I believe that. So you all know I did a podcast episode, one of my favorites, about how I've committed to failing 100 times this year. And I talked about my impossible goal of $10 million in my business this year. And let's just say that I didn't make that goal. But let's say that I said, what habits would a person who was making $10 million in their business, what kind of habits would they have every day? And he's talking little habits. That's where the word atomic, little but powerful. What habits would I have every day? Or you think about like, okay, someone, I know somebody in my industry that made $10 million in a year. What habits does she have every day? Like, how does she show up Every day. And I know her well. So I know how she shows up. I would take from that. I would model those. So even if I didn't think I'm making $10 million this year, if I wanted those to embody those habits and did them, I could make $10 million this year. So it's not about the goal, but more so how you show up every day. And I love that. And I feel if you're starting from scratch and your habits were impeccable, If you were someone that genuinely had high value habits that served you well, watch out world, watch out because you are taking over. And I get very excited about this topic. So if I were to to make this very actionable for you, some of the habits I'd look at, and I want you to read this book, but then think about these types of habits to be a high producing entrepreneur, someone that really is doing amazing things in this world. Are you ready? One, morning rituals. So the things you do in the morning that become habits. For me, I work out in the morning. I walk my dog in the morning and have my earbuds in listening to something that's going to fuel me or inspire me or excite me or um, keep me in the know around my industry, like give me knowledge. Every morning, I'm listening to something that's going to fire me up. So working out, walking my dog, listening to something of great value, writing down all 10 of my goals in my Rachel Hollis journal every single morning. That is what I do. And then I also plan my meals. So I know what I'm eating every day because I'm on a weight loss journey for life. When the weight's off, I'm still going to do this. I plan my meals ahead of time. So these are part of my morning rituals. I keep them simple, nothing earth shattering, right? But I have the mindset that this is what I do because this is who I am. Also, if you want to think about some more habits, doing weekly consistent content. I know, I feel like you guys are so, I shouldn't put this in your head. I shouldn't say you're sick of me hearing about it because I don't want you to be sick of me. I'm going to own it. Weekly consistent content, that is a habit. That is part of your identity as a high value entrepreneur, a high producing entrepreneur. Weekly content, weekly video. So, on top of the content, doing video like live videos, batching your content so you're more productive. That should be a habit in your business. I batch my content and writing your own copy. This is something I'm going to talk a lot about this year learning to write your own copy. If I were to start from scratch, I would make it a habit that every week I'm writing to my audience. I don't mean writing blog posts or writing guides or writing for your course. I mean, communicating with your audience, like in an email, that kind of copy or on a sales page or your social media posts, learning how to write copy for your business should be a habit that you have. Sure. You might want to pay someone to do it down the road, but you likely don't have the money to do it now. So learn how to write your own copy. That's a habit. I believe that we get into. And then finally, this one's a fun one. I'd love to see you make it a habit to do total immersion weekends every quarter. I talked about this in episode 222, where me and one team member, my integrator, Chloe, we go away for two days and we we always do this to plan out the whole year, but it's always great to do it to plan out a quarter as well. Just one quarter where you go away and you look at what worked, what hasn't worked in the past, what you're doing, your goals. You just spend a weekend making it fun, but you do a total immersion weekend with maybe just you all by yourself, or maybe you and one person on your team. It doesn't need to be a whole team retreat thing, but go for total immersion on a weekend and plan your quarter out. It's fun and it's a great habit to do in your business. Now, that's not a daily habit, so I'm kind of cheating here, but I wanted to end this episode with something really fun and inspiring. Total Immersion Weekends can change your business and I see people posting about them I'm referencing episode number 222 all the time, and I love it. So I see you guys keep it up. It's something that is really good for your business and just for your mindset around. Let's take a look at what's ahead of us. Let's keep moving forward. And I hope that's what this episode has done for you as well, to encourage you to keep moving forward no matter where you are in your business. You've got this. You can do this and learn from my mistakes and If you chose me to be one of your mentors, I hope you really take into account all the tips and tricks and strategies that I shared with you today, whether they be mindset or actual tools and strategies that you apply. I really hope you take it all in. Baby steps, my friend. You don't need to do everything that I just told you about in one sitting, but I hope some of this stays with you because those habits and that mindset shift and approaching how you spend your money differently and who your mentors are and not taking advice from everybody online and really getting clear on what you say yes to and what you say no to. Those are the areas I would focus on if I were starting from scratch. So... That's all I got for you. I love spending this time with you. I love looking back on how I do things differently so I could help you as you move forward. And one more thing, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please go on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and subscribe so that you know when I come out with a new episode and you don't miss a thing. Plus, we often put timely opportunities in our podcast. So if you don't listen to it when it comes out, you might miss some of that. So subscribing helps with that as well. All right, guys, thank you so very much for being here with me. I love spending this time with you. I will see you same time, same place next week. Bye for now.